The Bloody Elbow Podcast Network is moving. That's right. We're moving from SoundCloud and YouTube to Substack. It will still be available through your current iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher subscriptions, but the main home of the Bloody Elbow Podcast Network will now be on Substack. While most of our audio content will remain free, we'll be asking listeners to please get a paid subscription to support the shows, which are now ad-free. Please give us your email and we'll send you notices and summaries of every new episode. Become a paid subscriber and get bonus segments only available to those who've pledged their support. Sign up at bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com today. Bloody Elbow presents the Level Change Podcast, a combat sports variety show that brings you analysis, bike breakdowns, and insightful discussion of MMA's biggest headlines. Here are your hosts, Steffi Haynes and Victor Rodriguez. Welcome back, and thank you for listening to episode 236 of the Level Change Podcast. I'm Steffi Haynes, and I'm joined, as always, by this super awesome guy, Victor Rodriguez. And today we've got a whole melange of things to talk about, but we're going to start at the top with UFC San Antonio. And the first thing I want to address, Victor, is do you think Donald Cerrone should be in the Hall of Fame? Okay, so here's the thing. You've got what is the Hall of Fame, and then you have what is unofficially the Hall of Very Good. And I don't mean to dismiss him and his accomplishments or anything like that, but I can see why people are upset when they see someone say that he shouldn't. But I get the argument as to why he shouldn't. I mean, he never got the title in either division that he competed in. And are you truly an all-time great to that level if you never really reached that? Now, he did maintain his elite status for a good while, and he did turn in some insane performances, finish bonuses, memorable moments. I think on that alone, he should at least have some inclusion. Um, I, I guess it depends on how it's categorized. You know what I mean? I don't know that you necessarily need, should you have to be a champion to be in the Hall of Fame? If that is the criteria, then no. But if that's something that's flexible, then you know what? I get it. I, I You know, I don't really... I'm not, uh, this isn't something that anyone should be losing sleep over. It's going to happen anyway. And it is ultimately based on who Dana White likes most. Um, I don't think he should. And here's why. Dating back to 2019, Donald had seven fights and he didn't win any of them. When you're on a seven fight losing streak, and I know some of you out there are going to go, but... Nico Price was overturned to a no contest. Listen, Nico won that fight. <laughs> Just because he tested positive for marijuana doesn't mean anything. Uh, I'll free the homie. Exactly. But the point is, seven fights in a row. 
should that though? I mean, yes, Muhammad should. Ali lost a whole bunch of fights towards the end of his career, and I know it's a different sport, but it's not that even. Be? It's not even that it was a different sport. What Muhammad Ali accomplished, he was a champion. Well, that's true. Okay, where where is Donald Cerrone's belt? That's right, there isn't one mm-hmm. ever. Ali was a multi-time champion. Ali True. fought the the top of the division and beat them. When Donald Cerrone fought the top of the division, he did not win. Right. I mean, I I I have issues. Um, his his record is pretty spotty, you know, thirty six, seventeen and two. I mean. It's not exactly journeyman territory, but it's it could be coming close. He was left out there for a lot longer than he should have. Yeah, and that- this stuff here that we're talking about with him bulking up and coming back at one eighty five, please God no, don't let that happen. Don't any promotion take him on, please. Let that man retire in peace do movies do whatever just leave them be that's that's what i have to say on that victor if you want to bounce back on it feel free well, you know we we do have that movie he's got uh, with chael sonnen i believe it came out already oh really uh, if it hasn't it'll be out soon so that should be uh that should be interesting now that you remind me that we should do a watch along or something for that. you know i actually want to do a watch along to the one he did with gina carano oh boy well, as long as I don't have to pay for it, yeah, that's cool. Troy, Troy's little breakdown of that movie will always, always make me laugh. Uh, for for those out there that want to follow Troy, he's at PDLMMA. Super funny guy. But anyways, let's go ahead and, and dive into this card. Let's start at the top. Corey Sandhagen defeating Marlon Vera. And the the idea that this went to a split is ridiculous to me because this was not a split. And if, if you want my personal opinion, I agreed with the judges that had a 50-45. I didn't give a single round to Marlon. Sandhagen yeah. outclassed him all the way around. Marlon poured it on at the very last 20 seconds of round four and he waited until like the last minute of round five too little too late and i'm sorry it wasn't enough to not only snag those rounds it was not enough to snag a fight and the fact that a judge gave you that fight is ridiculous now i do love what he came out and said afterward i have no excuses i didn't perform to my best nothing you know, I, I appreciate that. He says, but mark my words, I'll come back better. I like that too. He didn't, he didn't give me some bullshit. I was sick or I came in with a sprained ankle or any of that. He just cut right to it. Uh, Sandhagen looked phenomenal. I mean, it, it wasn't the most interesting or entertaining fight. It wasn't fireworks all the way around, but it was enough for me i didn't think it was a terrible fight i watched from beginning to end i wasn't tempted to get up and or to do other things or anything like that i thought it was a decent enough fight but vera did not do a damn thing that told me that he was hungry enough to take that fight i mean 
Everything that I've said up until this point is about how Marlon is hungrier than everybody else. And then he goes in there and performs like that. Mm, mm, mm. Victor. Wasn't a good look, man. It really wasn't. And he did salvage some goodwill, as you mentioned, right? He he did uh, say, look, man, you know, I, I <laughs> we, we've come to expect. There's a reason why so many of us picked him to win. We've come to expect a certain type of performance from him. We've seen how well he's able to adapt and adjust to certain things. And, you know, you, you get it wrong, and it's one thing for us to get it wrong. It's another thing for him and his, and his crew to get it wrong. You know, maybe there was just some, uh, it might not have even been a game planning thing. He might have just not been able to get out of that first gear and really get things popping, not been able to uh, deal with the counters and the body attacks that I thought he was going to be able to do more with. Uh, than Sanhagen, but no, you were 100% right. You know, Sanhagen went back to his patented uh, body attacks, and he just, uh, it, it's you, you, its such a hard thing to deal with. He just keeps people guessing and uh, kept his cool. He went in there, and he looked like a world beater. That was fantastic. So you, much credit to Corey. Uh, nothing is taken away from Vera. I don't think his stock drops very much from this. I mean, you know, he's, his reputation takes a bit of a hit, but come on, man. You look at how good Sanhagen looked between his last fight and this one. Come on, dude. You, you, you got to really uh, look at that. This is a what I call a good loss. And, uh, you know, it, it's just a matter of learning. And, and I'm glad that he's at least got that resolve and that attitude of saying, like, no, I'll be back. Because when he says it, I believe it. Mm-hmm. One thing to note about Sandhagen, he uses his length his reach so well. He is one of those long, lanky guys that knows how to fight at range. And I love that because he is lethal at range. I, I love the long kicks. I love the body, you know, I've always been a fan of his body work, but he can, he can rip those punches to the ribs on either side from so far out and still make them hurt. I just, I'm enamored of his body work. All right, let's get to Holly Holm defeating Yana Santos. Now, I want to I want to preface this with something. When we made our staff picks, I am notorious for never ever writing anything in the staff picks. But Bissell has convinced me to to put a little something in there on one or two of the fights whenever I have to... Canadians. Yes, and so I wrote about this fight that I didn't expect much from it other than that Hollywood win. I expected it to be boring. As a matter of fact, I'm calling it early. This will be the beer run fight of the night. Guess what? They put on a pretty damn good fight. Now listen, I know Holly Holmes soundly outclassed Yana, beat her up from pillar to post, really did, held her down and just walloped her constantly. But it was entertaining because Yana was never fully out of it. She was trying constantly to get Holly off of her, to do whatever she could. It wasn't the greatest fight, but it wasn't what I thought it was going to be. And I sat there and I watched the whole thing. And it's nice to see 40-year-old or 39-year-old. How old is Holly? Is she 40? Let's see. She is. She's 41. My goodness. Here's what I want to say about Holly. She still got it. She does not age like normal people, especially no. women. You, I do not expect 
a 41-year-old to be that competitive and that good. I mean, she is not aging like regular women. Physically. Mentally, however. <laughs> Holly, we must talk about your QAnon views, all right? Uh, that, that, that little thing in there just screamed QAnon. That and the fact that, you know, your nickname is Preacher's Daughter and so many fighters coming out of that Jackson Wing camp are legit QAnon believers. And when she said that we've got to protect the children and then they get, I, she was like, that's all I'm going to say. And I think yeah. she honestly thought that no one was going to check her on that in the post-fight presser. I think she thought that because she is, you know, everybody's darling and she's so sweet and this and that, that nobody was actually going to call her on it. So we get to the presser and she couldn't narrow down a single thing of substance to say other than I, I know people that have been abused and their lives have been affected their whole lives. Well, that's a given, Holly. And then she kept going back and harping on, we got to protect our children. We got to protect our kids. Well, that statement could be so broad and encompass so many things that you could have lit down on instead of the over-sexualization of children. But let's go ahead and start there. If you want to talk about that, let's talk about the fact that Sarah Huckabee Sanders signed, signed law stating that kids could work independent of a parent's consent. Okay, that is... Um, treating children like adults. So you could start there. You could start with the fact that they're systematically stripping the libraries of real educational resources. You could start with the fact that there's so many hungry kids that go to schools that won't give them a free lunch. There's so many things that could encompass we've got to protect our children. You didn't have to go QAnon. You could have gone this way. I don't really know what her intent was, but I have a good idea, especially the way that that whole camp operates. So, Victor, let's hear your take on the whole thing, the fight itself and her comments at the end. So as for the fight itself, I mean, I I didn't find it very, you know, I found it was, it was tactically interesting. Mm -hmm. uh, Yana taking it to her early, pinning her against the cage, doing work. But that moment where Holly landed that one kick that mm. sat her down, I was like, yep, you're not getting that again. <laughs> this is going to happen under the range that she wants when she wants it. Mm. And that was it. You're not going to get that clinching. She's like, it, it, it's like sometimes and, and if you've ever if you've ever grappled, you know, sometimes you're, you're grappling with somebody. and You notice that they're doing something you're like, mm, listen, you got to that position this time. You are. I will not refuse to allow you to do that shit to me again. And that's kind of what happened here, right? That was there. This, this was a striking analog. And I mean, I guess it was fine. You know, Yana did what she could. I don't think that she's a bum. I don't think she's a scrub. I just, as I always say, right, there's levels. And I don't think that she's able to crack the top four or top three. You know, I don't right. think that she hangs with, I mean, like she can hang to a degree, but I don't think that she's able to beat people like Holly, like Juliana. I don't see it. I just, that's just me personally. I'd have to see something major changing there but that was that as far as the uh comments and the the uh the, the post fight thing i've already been getting a lot of stress in the on twitter for 
saying what I said. And look, I think my biggest gripe is say what you're going to say with your whole chest. Okay. It just, just say what you mean because she goes to the presser and she doesn't make matters any better. Mm -hmm. She just does this jumble back and forth. And yeah, sure. Her nickname is the preacher's daughter. I don't know what kind of teachings are espoused in her father's church. I don't, I, I can't speak to that. Uh, I don't know. You know, she she kept everything very in line, but it seemed like she kept trying to say something, mm -hmm. teetered on the edge of it, and then pulled back as if, well, I don't want to deal with the consequences or the repercussions of this because you know that it's messy. This is similar to me. Like when you hear someone say, oh, no, 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 no. I'm not on the left or the right. No, you're on the right. You yep. just don't want to say it. Exactly. Because you know that that brand is toxic. You know that that's going to cost you a level of alienation. People will think differently of you. Now you have to explain, well, I'm on the right when it comes to this, this, and this, but not these other things. This is this is what happens. And I'm not saying that to like, you know, hammer her or anybody like that, but it's this is this is a matter of you thought you thought you would be with a much more receptive crowd. And the moment that there was the most minimal amount of pushback. Now you decide, well, I'm not going to, and the worst thing is, the worst thing is she decides that she's not going to go any further with it. Mm -hmm. People are going to still keep asking, right? Exactly. And, and then you have the fact, as I mentioned on Twitter, this is the same gym that had a big QAnon flag. This is the same gym where Mike Winklejohn, yep. her longtime coach, and she was mm -hmm. what, 14, 15 years old? Yep. Uh, misattributed a quote that was a, a, to, it was a Hitler quote or something like that. You remember that a couple of years ago? Yep. He's been on some really crazy right-wing crank shit. And that is, look, one of the dumbest responses I get sometimes when I talk about this is, this is not a politically correct sport. Man, listen, if you don't understand how this stuff affects what happens outside, not so much, but rather, I should say that differently. If you don't understand how the outside world affects what happens there and then how that affects everyone else, the participants that are in there. Look, we had that guy, I believe his name is Joel Bauman. He's a guy who fought for Fury FC. He called out Jimmy Kimmel. You remember that on UFC Fight Pass? And he yeah. called him a pedophile. Yeah. He was talking about Epstein didn't kill himself, all that. I mean, I agree he probably didn't, but point ain't that. The point is he went out there on some very QAnon shit. You don't have to mention QAnon for it to be that, but exactly. we know what the game is. Let's not play fucking stupid here. Mm -hmm. And that's what they rely on. That's what people... That that try to do that. Oh no no no! I didn't mean that. See, I didn't say it. It's the, it's the whole I'm not touching you. I'm not touching you. Bullshit. Yeah, that's what it is. It's it's you. We all know what the game is. We all know what that leads to. And I'm sorry, you're hanging out with Candace Owens. You're 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 out here with these people mm. uh, as part of this team. You're you're on the same team. I believe does Tim does Tim Kennedy still train there? I don't know if he still does. I doubt it that he probably does, but. You're going to sit there and tell me that, that he's the only person that thinks the way he does. Have you seen his fucking Twitter feed? Oh Have you heard God. what this man has had to say in recent years? You know, like this is not a, an isolated thing. And as Kareem Zidane has said and noted sagely, as he's been saying for years, the sport does not exist in a vacuum. There are real life consequences yeah. to this shit. Because the moment that one of these guys, whether it's a fighter or a coach or a pad holder, the moment somebody goes out there and say, I don't know, puts a gun to somebody's head and holds them for ransom saying, you know, holds them hostage uh, because he thinks that they're a pedophile that's part of the cabal. Well, now, now we realize, oh shit, wait a minute. There's something going on here that needs to be addressed and talked about. And when you are making overtures to a very dangerous movement that has already claimed lives, that has already ruined the relationships and the lives of many people, 
that's a fucking problem. That is a major red flag. And I don't think she sees it that way. You noted multiple examples of things that we could be doing to protect kids that are much more practical. Unfortunately, you can't really use that reasoning for some folks because they're not they're not really thinking about that. They're thinking about the big boogeyman instead of actual real life thing. They don't look at the actual politicians and religious figures that are really doing uh, committing horrible sexual crimes against children. We don't address that. Not as much as we should. But this is this is the society that we're in, man. It's brain rot from the Internet. Exactly. Now, when I mentioned that, you know, that her nickname was all I needed to be told, I wasn't referring specifically to her father's teachings. I was referring to the fact that she's religious and she comes from a religious background. And a lot, a, a common thread with QAnon people is religion. They, they yeah. throw everything behind religion. Every fuck up thing that they do, they hide behind religion for. So, and all of their crazy beliefs are all rooted in religion too. So that was where I was going with that more so than whatever her father might be teaching is I have no clue, but the fact that she is rooted in religion is definitely where I was going with that. I mean, it's, it's, it's certainly a symptom in a lot of cases. Yeah. And, and I, it, it might be a contributing factor here. No doubt about it. I feel like it's the vector. <laughs> Could be. I don't know. All right, let's get to Nate Landwehr. What a performance. Now, Austin Lingo looked good in there for a second, you know? Mm -hmm. Austin Lingo has been getting thrown to the wolves, though. For a guy that was 9-1 going into this fight against Nate Landwehr, who had 20-some-odd fights, oof, poor Austin, man. Just go from one badass to the next. Oof, poor guy. I just, you know, this is the kind of thing you're doing your prospects a disservice when you bring in a fight, a fighter like this, and you put him in situations like that, you know, because then now people are looking at him as a flame out or a boss. You know, he's got to deal with all this pressure and all this shit. And I'm sure, look, he's a pro fighter. Obviously, the part of the pro, the bit of the business is professional. He knows that he's going to handle himself as a professional. He knows he's going to deal with adversity. He's prepped for that. But at the same time, man, like, fuck, man, throw him a ball and shit. <laughs> like, what are you doing? Why? Why are we? Why are we ruining prospects like this? There's just no care whatsoever. But you know, it's what it is, man. You know, big ups to Nate. Big ups to Lingo too. I mean, he he held his own, like you said. Yeah, for sure. Let's take a look at Macy Barber and Andrea Lee. I had Andrea Lee winning that fight. I mm. I, I don't know what's going on. Why Macy has gotten now two gift decisions i mean hmm. what is the attraction here i i thought andrea won 29 28 how did you see it i, I thought macy had it really i didn't yeah, i think she you know what the thing is man this is this is the same thing I, I keep saying about other folks is it like you have fighters that just have in this and a particular style and a way of fighting that is appealing to judges in the sense that they do the right thing at the right time yeah. I don't, and I'm not saying that as a knock. I mean, she did handily outstrike her for a good portion of that fight. Um, you know, Lee was, 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 they were both doing uh, some, some pretty good damage in there, but it just seemed to me like Lee started falling behind a little and Macy started pulling ahead and just, you know, between the, the strikes of the head and the uh, control on the ground, even when Lee at one point, I remember I posted a screenshot of that. Lee, Lee was in top position, side control. And Barbara tied up her arm, her near arm, behind Lee's back and started hammering her. I mean, it's really hard to look good from bottom position, but she kind of did there for a minute. And that's uh, 
that's a really tough thing to do. I mean, that's the, that sort of thing really uh, influences how judges view fights and how these things proceed. So I kind of thought that was what was going on there. I don't really, I didn't have any qualms whatsoever. I thought it was close, and I really didn't oh, I have abs- a problem with it. I absolutely thought it was close, and don't get me wrong. This is not a robbery. This is just me disagreeing with the split. I I had it for Andrea and myself. I I would need to go back and watch again, but uh, first glance watch, definitely had it for Andrea. Now, I want to talk about Chidi and Jukawani and Albert Daria, because this was another one. I I thought Chidi won. (laughs) Help me out here, Vic. What? How did you see it? Um, and I normally, first of all, we didn't even pick Macy Barber and Andrea Lee. Uh, we're just talking how we saw it. Now, we did pick Chitty and Jukwani and Albert Raev, and we picked Chitty. But y'all know me. Even if I pick someone and I don't think they won, I'll say it. But I, I actually thought Chitty won that fight. I kind of think he didn't, man. Really? <laughs> I kind of didn't. I mean, once again, I'm disagreeing with you on this. I kind of felt like Durayev just had more control over the course of the fight to the point where, you know, Chidi's offense didn't really seem as effective. I don't know. It just, I kind of felt like, much like when we were talking about the main event, you know, you have your fighters that seem to have a hard time really establishing their pace and tempo, and that's kind of what ended up happening there to me. But... I mean, I yeah, I, I can see the like, again another another yeah. weird close fight because you know it's it's not God it, it it's such a those those are so bad to judge yeah because of the fact that you know they, look these guys are doing things fairly well on this end but then you got your pros and cons like ah oh, damn I don't know the other thing too is that this fight the these fights in general weren't so impactful that it forced me to go. Oh my God, I need to watch that a second time to really be able to weigh in properly. (laughs) These fights don't make a fucking bit of difference. So I don't care to go back and watch them a second time. I don't care to go back and watch Macy Barber and Andrea Lee. I'm just going to sit on my initial assumption that Andrea Lee won because that's how I saw it. Ditto Chitty and Jukwani. I don't think they were robberies. I just think that, you know, first glance, Chitty won. Yeah, this is this is another again. What do I always say about cards like this? This is how the sausage is made, kids. This is what it is. This is how guys go up and down the rankings. It's that there's no there's no massive like CJ Vergara. Like if, I mean, you know, do you remember him being signed to the UFC? Was there any waves being made? No, and that's not to disrespect him or insult him in any capacity. It's just that this is how guys establish their name. Now, a year and a half from now, that dude could be burning up the division. But y'all got to start somewhere, and the UFC is just doing this now. This is um, a lot of it is just burning out the prospects early and fostering them under their umbrella, because that's how they just create content. It's not out of generosity or with any genuine desire to enhance the sport or nurture it in any further capacity. Yeah, um, I have taken up a new thing that I do whenever I see anyone named Victor on on a UFC card I have taken to picking them no matter what <laughs> so I picked Victor Altamirano and guess what he won and he was the big underdog going into that fight but I picked him simply because his name was Victor so I noted in the preview that they were scheduled to fight on contender series and I had the inclination that Altamirano was going to win um, it's funny that you're that you're going with that initiative to pick guys named Victor yep. because there was a literal Victor Rodriguez. I know, and I picked him every time because of you. 
Yeah, but he didn't do too fucking great. Now, did he? Yeah, it didn't work he out did for it, either. But <laughs> still, you know what? I will pick him anyways. I know he's out of the UFC, but what, if I ever come across a time where I need to pick a fight of his, I will still pick him. If he's on a twenty, a, a zero and twenty run, I'll still pick him. You know, I gotta find that dude and like take a picture with him one day. Just, <laughs> just, just, just for shits and giggles. We'll be pointing at each other like, "Can you believe this shit?" Yeah, yeah, that's it. Uh, no, I, listen, um, Altamirano to me was just the more composed fighter. Mm. He was the better. He is to me still the better prospect. Um, problem is that Salvador is just, you, you have guys that are more convincing finishers. And a lot of the time, again, the expectation of what happens with contender series, what do I keep saying? As somebody who's got to watch these fucking fights week to week to week and write about them and explain this shit to people, guys, not the best. It's not always the best that are coming through. Sometimes you have guys that come in, and I'm not saying they get lucky, but they just end up with a better look, and they end up getting signed, and that's what you have. When they get to the big leagues, it's like when they were drafting a lot of these NBA guys out of high school. You know, Sometimes it wasn't too great. It didn't always work out for the best, and that's what we have here. You know, I just don't think that he's – over time, Altamirano is going to be proven to be the better uh, – uh, overall prospect he'll have the better career and this fight showed it indeed now we had picked another fight manel cop versus alex perez but that fight ended up being canceled in the middle of the event Not alex really. perez revealed that he had a seizure in the locker room while he was you know back there getting prepped and ready to fight he had a seizure he said, first and foremost, I want to thank everyone for all the support and concerns. I was doing my pre-fight warm-up and had a seizure. I immediately received medical attention. Um, my hydration, electrolytes, etc., etc., were all more than adequate. This has nothing to do with weight cut. It was mm -hmm. one of the easiest cuts of my career. I will be undergoing further testing in the upcoming weeks to determine the cause. I would appreciate privacy. My apologies to my opponent and fans. Thank you to the UFC medical team for their help and support. Prior to that cancellation. He has had 11 fight cancellations in the last two years. That's Mr. Perez there. He has only fought one time during those 11 fight cancellations. There was one fight, one off fight in there where he actually made it to a fight. And that was when he fought Alessandra Pantoge and he lost via first round submission. No shame in that. Pantoja is a perennial contender. He's our, he's basically our Joe Benavidez right now. Mm. But prior to those cancellations, he was actually on a three fight win streak. And that led to his first championship opportunity against the champ at the time, Davy Figs. Of course he got beat, but anyways, um, here we are. He's had a seizure. He's going he's gonna go and get medical attention, whatever. And then we get Manel Cop's response to it. Oh, oh, here we go. 
Unfortunately, my opponent just came to the weigh-in to pose and take a picture. Inside me, I felt that he would not have the courage to face me. Our energies were totally different, and I knew that he did not want to be there. He did not want the same as I wanted, and it was notorious the fear that emanated from him. But I was surprised to see him getting on the bus, and I really thought we were going to fight. Even after grabbing him by the neck and giving him some good slaps in the chest in the meeting room. We arrived in, at the arena, warming up turned on my hands and only three fights left for our fight and he just gave up your dna is an abomination unlike you my dna is from fearless warriors coming from queen and jingam bande my dna has history i kill by the sword and die by the sword inside the battlefield you coward cowards die several times before their death Woo, my goodness. Wow. That's three and two. Manel Cop in the UFC saying that about Mr. Perez. I would probably reserve that until after we find out what was going on with that seizure. But I understand he's a fighter and, you know, he, this is what fighters do, I guess. I mean, I, do they do all of them? But he like, didn't make threats here. He didn't pull a Colby Covington and say he was going to hunt them down or anything like that. And uh, here he just basically questioned his fortitude. I mean, I can understand why, because, you know, you're looking at 12 fight cancellations in the last like 13, 14 fights. It does okay. seem, from a fighter's point of view, I can see where he's coming from. That's all I'll say. See, look, Alex says that it didn't have to do with the weight cut. I, until further notice, yes, I am going to call bullshit on that regardless. Yes, I, I, I just no. There's no way you're fighting at 125 in this exactly. shit. Like, I, I'm, I'm sorry, dude. We've been down this road with so many other guys in the past. Like. I, we we have an idea, and, and look, it might not be. I, I'll be more than glad to to apologize if need be, to retract this in any way, shape, or form. I I have no, my ego is is not big enough for me to sit here and be like, you will not convince me. This 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 that's not what we're trying to do. This is about this man's health and well being. This is fucked up. This man's been skipping out of all these fights, and no, like. Baby, honey, what are you doing? Why are you getting so aggressive with this man? He's, it's not like he wanted to. Either. He, he can't fake it. He's seeing doctors. You know, you think a guy signs a contract, goes through an entire fight camp, which is not free, goes through all this shit, cuts weight, makes everything happen. You, you've been you've been cutting weight for a while. You know that shit ain't fun. So what, you think he's doing it just for shits and giggles, just so he can on the day of the fight cancel? Because, oh, uh, I, I don't want to fight this guy now. I'm scared. What changed? What do you mean, bro? Come on! Like you said, though, that's this is fighter talk, man. Mm. This is this is how guys do. This is what guys have to believe to amp themselves up and 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 have that, as I say, right that that insane and unbreakable belief to to think of themselves, you know, as 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 these bold and, and insane warriors that uh, you know are, are transcending past that of, of of what a human being can do, a normal human being, right? Us 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 plebeians. So. I get that, but at the same time, bro, come on, you ain't got to go that hard on it, man. I mean, shit, you could have really had something severe happen here. Seizures, man. She, that, that shit is not, that's not something to joke about. 
You can't be out here going that hard on a guy for that shit. No, I, I agree with you there. But at the same time, I, I can see why he might have said that. This is a fighter targeting another fighter. This yeah. is not a fighter targeting, say, a commentator. You know what I'm saying? Anyway. Oh, I get it. Anyway, uh, another story to come out of this card, because this card delivered a lot of good stories for today. Mm. And that is Corey Sandhagen's call out of Merab Devalishvili. He said, Merab, you're hungry? Well, I've got something for you to eat and it don't taste good. Okay, we got to work on your smack talk, sir, because that <laughs> had all sorts of uh, erotic undertones there. So, um, Oh, no, I disagree, because you wouldn't say that about your own penis. As someone who has a penis, let me tell you a story. You won't be out here. You won't be out here saying like, and it doesn't taste good. Well, I'm sorry, you ain't been washing right, bro? Like, what are you doing? What's going on up in New England? What are we doing up in here? Did What's not going on with the up there, my guy? I know the Red Sox ain't doing too Hollywood, but you can't be doing this shit saying this on God's internet. This is not how this is going to work, my guy. You can't do that. <laughs> so I don't think it was that. That's the one relief that I had from it was like, well, shit, happy about his own penis because that's a cell phone if I ever fucking see one. <laughs> When they got to the post-fight presser, they asked him why he called out Merab. He said, I think Merab is the best guy in the division right now outside who is fighting for the title. I don't want to shy away from challenges. I don't want to be that guy. I want to inspire people. I don't want to cherry pick my fights all the way to the top. I want to fight the best guy so that when I do get the title, I can defend it because I'm experienced. I think Merob is a perfect challenge for my type of style, for my type of fighting. He's going to make me train really hard because of how good he is. Those are the types of guys that I want to fight. And if I can get past him, then I 100% deserve a title shot. Like I said, I just don't want to cherry pick guys. The guy is on a nine fight winning streak. Who am I to ask for a title shot before him? I'm not going to set that standard in MMA. People should be more real about it. Holy fucking shit, Victor. This guy is saying everything I want to hear. Listen, I really hope this kid doesn't have some like really unfortunate incident somewhere. You know what I mean? Like, we find out some real bad shit about him because, my God, could you ask any more of a fighter? Could you? Number one, it felt to me like he might have kind of been taking a bit of a slight dig at O'Malley, you know, because he was talking about, I don't want to cherry pick. I don't want to wait. I don't want to do any of that shit. Like, no, I'm, I will take these challenges head on. I will do what I need to do and grab any opportunity that comes my way by the throat. I want to fight the hardest guy in the division. Everybody's running for him. I will walk calmly over to him and boop him on his nose. That, that kind of confidence, that kind of bravado, it's more than welcome because it's not cockiness. It's not arrogance. He's not putting the guy down. Pro Wrestling 101, what do I always fucking say? What you build the guy up so that when you beat him, yo, I beat that guy. You don't belittle him and then run him over and then be like, well, I no, because then, again, if you talk about him as being a bum, then all you did was beat a bum. But now... The perception changes, it shifts, and it also in turn builds up Sanhagen. Do I think he's cynical enough to view it this way? No, not necessarily, but just in terms of pure accidental and very fortunate marketing, it's a dream. He handled this shit perfectly. This is a pro. This is a kid that has gotten a form of maturity that you really need 
to get ahead in this game. And I love what he did. I love how he handled that. And I really wish him the best. On top of a great performance like that one, um, where he, you know, silenced many doubters, like myself, and made uh, made something uh, beautiful happen, shutting down a guy who was on a hot streak. Uh, he goes ahead and he does and says this. I mean, man, this that's this dude is is rooted in a lot of realism, and you're cutting through the bullshit, which is very very sorely needed in this game. So that I think was probably the greatest uh, relief of all. Yeah, I gotta ask you a question. Somebody tweeted to me Saturday night that Vera got fraud checked for being an old man hunter. Would you agree with that? Mm, no. I don't, I don't either. I don't, I don't buy that. I mean, those the caliber of the old man that he's fighting. That, that it's it's not it's not like he's going in there and you know this this isn't John Jones tearing through uh, blown up middleweights and older guy. Like there's a there's a, a bigger argument for that than there is for this. And I don't even think that that one holds too much water either. All right. So I want to get to the last story, and this is actually a, the, the sort of the first story. For coming from UFC San Antonio. And that is the amount of fights that fell off of this card from top to bottom. Because going into fight week, we had dropped two fights. One thing that the UFC is good about is they overbook their cards now. We're typically seeing 13 to 15 fights on every card. That's how many that they're booking. And the idea is to have that many to fill up the space in case fights fall off. Because I don't know about you, Victor, but I am noticing a trend this year, especially that fights are falling out day of during cards i mean we've lost main events we've lost middle of the card events we've lost main card fights and the story for this particular card is that going into the beginning of the week we had two fights canceled right off the bat manuel torres uh, versus trey ogden and then we had tamaris vidal and Haley cowan was was also canceled and they were um kind of nebulous causes too it undisclosed medical issues mm-hmm. so we we do know that um we had another cancellation for ufc 287 already happen as well nicholas mota had that horrendous uh headbutt incident during sparring that left good god what a wound that thing is out off to the side of, you know, right above his eyebrow, but off to the side temple area, sort of that, that art where your arches, my goodness. Did you see that? Shout out to Chris and King. Yes. I'm afraid. No, you know, actually I didn't, I saw the news. I didn't actually see it. I opened it. I avoid, I avoid. I opened it. I wish I hadn't. It is bad. That's why I avoided it because I knew I was going to regret it. We're definitely seeing a lot of fight cancellations. And I just think that it, it seems like way prevalent this year, or is it just my imagination? I don't know, man. It, 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 uh, I, I thought they were probably overbooking fights from a while ago due to COVID and everything mm-hmm. because, you know, we were just seeing so many fights fall apart. But um, you end up with the unfortunate situations like this. I asked the other day, and I hope we get some clarification on this, but 
Um, I hope Manel Cop got his show money. Dude weighed in and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what I mean? I hope they're at least treating these guys right. And I don't mean I what Perez we're Perez did from. too. Perez did everything he was supposed yeah. to. Weighed in everything. So I hope this isn't another one of those, oh, we're going to take care of him. And, and it's just like, oh, we rebooked him for three weeks from now. Like, yeah. that's not, that's not, that's not it to me. I'm sorry. I, that's not, that doesn't make up for everything that these guys go through. And then, you know, what these guys are trying to do, like, I don't know. I, I got to see, but, um, I'm curious about that. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I, I didn't really, um, I didn't, I don't know if I, if this is something that, that we've been, uh, it's been kind of happening in, in spurts, I guess, to me. You know, it, it seems to me like this is one of the things that happened. They're just more notable on this card because of how hard this one got bit. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, we we have been seeing a lot of weird cancellations very close to fight time, and I don't know what that's. I, I don't know what what the common uh, factors are for that. I think it's for me. Uh, I'm a little more shocked in the the mid card cancellations, like during events. I I haven't seen this many in a long time. So close together, it's mm. insane. But anyways, that's going to wrap up this portion of the show. You guys should stick around, though, for the bonus section because we've got some salacious headlines for the bonus section of the episode. So do us a favor. Stick around. We'll be right back. To access the bonus content of this show, you must be a paid subscriber. To do that, Go to bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com and subscribe today. The Bloody Elbow Podcast Network is moving. That's right. We're moving from SoundCloud and YouTube to Substack. It will still be available through your current iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher subscriptions, but the main home of the Bloody Elbow Podcast Network will now be on Substack. While most of our audio content will remain free, we'll be asking listeners to please get a paid subscription to support the shows which are now ad-free. Please give us your email, and we'll send you notices and summaries of every new episode. Become a paid subscriber and get bonus segments only available to those who've pledged their support. Sign up at bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com today.